Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first investor's call of uh, HDFC Asset Management Company post the listing of the shares recently. Uh, we are here to discuss the financial results for the quarter ended June 2018, which was released uh, less than an hour ago. We have with us, uh, representing HDFC AMC, Mr. Milan Barve, Managing Director, Mr. Piyush Surana, CFO, and Mr. Simal Kanuga, Head of the PMS Sales and New Initiatives. Uh, I wouldn't want to come between you and uh, the company. I now request uh, Milan to share his thoughts on the results, and further after that, we will open it for Q&A. Over to you, Milan. Uh, thank you, Subra, and to all of you, thank you very much for joining this call today. This is the first quarterly earnings call of our company. Uh, the presentation has been uploaded on our website, which is www.hdfcfund.com, and as well as the website of the stock exchanges. Uh, we do hope that you have the same available with you uh, as we go through this call. Uh, I'll just go using the slides or the presentations, which are hopefully in front of you. Uh, <clears throat> So just to begin with, a quick overview of the mutual fund industry on slide number two. As on 30th of June 2018, the AUM of the industry had reached 22.9 trillion as against 19 trillion as on 30th of June 2017, which is a growth of 21% for the industry's AUM. Equity-oriented AUM as on 30th of June 2018 has grown much faster at 37% compared to that of 30th June 2017. Debt AUM has, been, has seen a degrowth of 0.3 trillion over that of 30th June 2017. The same has though been well compensated by growth in liquid funds. One may attribute the same, in my view, to the rise in interest rates. As we are all aware, financial years 2017-18 saw unprecedented flows into equity-oriented products. For the first quarter of the current fiscal year, equity-oriented funds saw net flows of $404 billion as against $506 billion in the first quarter of the previous fiscal. This is, these numbers are for the industry. The number is lower in relative terms but is a healthy number in absolute sense nonetheless. Uh, individual investors' contribution to the monthly average AUM was at 48% for the industry for June 2017. The same increased to 52% for June 2018. In terms of monthly average AUM, individual investors have invested $12.3 trillion in mutual funds for Ju as of June 2018. The comparable number for June 2017 was $9.5 The flows through systematic plans for the industry have been consistently increasing at, and that were at a good pace. The flow, of flow for the month of June 2018 was $76 billion as compared to $71 billion for March 2018 and $47 billion for June 2017. These are flows through systematic SIPs. The B15 towns, that is towns which are beyond the top 30 cities, contribute to the tune of 14% of the industry's monthly average AUM as on June of 2018. Uh, 
Moving on to slide number three, which is about us. As on 30th of June 2018, equity-oriented AUM and non-equity-oriented AUM are more or less equal at 1.5 trillion rupees each, and the total AUM as on 30th June 2018 for HDFC AMC is rupees 3.01 trillion rupees. As on 30th of June 2018, we have over 8.4 million live accounts, 210 branch offices, 65,000 plus distribution partners, and a team of about 1,100 employees. We are happy to state that as of our total monthly average AUM, 1.91 trillion comes in from individual investors. As we have said in slide four, as on 30th June 2018, our total AUM has grown, has has shown a growth of 22% when compared to that of 30th of June 2017. This is higher than the industry. We have maintained our market share of about 13% in terms of quarterly average AUM and retained our position as the second largest mutual fund manager. We will now move on to discuss about the high quality about and the profitable active profitably profitable actively managed equity AUM as we have shown on slide number 5. Our actively managed equity oriented AUM as on 30th of June 2018 was 1.46 trillion as against 1.10 trillion as on 30th of June 2017 this category has shown a growth of 33% for us as we continue to enjoy the leadership position with a market share of 16.4% slide number 6 showcases the asset mix for us as well as for the industry as a whole as on 30th June 2018 equity oriented AUM was 50% for the total AUM for us as against 42% for the industry the comparable figures as on 30th june was 46.2% for us and 37% of, of that for the industry we have always focused on individual investors in terms of live accounts we have not have seen a growth of 29% from 6.48 million as on 30th of june 2017 to 8.36 million as on 30th of June 2018 the monthly average AUM for June 2018 from individual investors was 1.91 trillion as compared to 1.51 trillion for the month of June 2017 which translates into a growth of 26% this is on slide number 7 we are pleased and humbled to say that we continue to remain the most preferred choice of individual investors and do enjoy a market share of over 15% when it comes to individual investors assets in the mutual fund industry information for the same is on slide number 8 slide 9 is all about the key pillars of our business we have always stated and continue to maintain that systematic transactions is really the backbone of our sales strategy our systematic transaction book has grown to 11.64 billion for the month of June 2018 this is a monthly flow furthermore at the time of signing of systematic accounts 77% plus of our customers have signed for a period exceeding 5 years and 64% plus have signed for a period of over 10 years this shows the quality of our systematic transaction book we process 
3.36 million systematic transactions in June 2018. Details of our distribution network are on slide 10. Our distribution mix has been stable for the last one year. IFAs continue to make significant contribution to our equity-oriented business with a share of 39.7%, followed by national distributors with a share of 24.5%, and banks at 18.5%. This is as on 30th of June, 2018. Contribution of direct business to our total AUM has moved up from 32.9% on 30th of June, 2017, to 35.8% as on 30th of June 2018. The contribution of direct plan or direct business in equity-oriented AUM has been in the region of about 17% as on 30th of June 2018, largely the same as on 30th of June 2017. We now move on to the next slide, number 11. Uh, we aspire to really reach every saver in India. Keeping this in mind, we have established 134 branches in the beyond the top 30 cities. As of June 2018, we are the second to SBI mutual fund when it comes to the market share of assets raised from the B15 cities. Our monthly average AUM is, uh, is close to 13%, which is contributed by the B15 cities. B, sorry, the B30 cities. Over the last one and a half year, we have made significant investment in building digital assets to support and further optimize our digital transactions. We have rebuilt our core partner and investor-facing platforms to support the drive to digital transactions. We have seen material increase in terms of transaction processing getting done electronically. For non-systematic transactions, electronic transactions as a percentage of total, total transactions has gone up from 46% for the quarter ended June 17 to 61.5% for the quarter ended June 2018. We will now move to the financials. Uh, the first I must highlight the transition to NDS. The company has adopted the Indian accounting standard with effect from 1st of April 2018. As a consequence, the financials for the quarter ended 30th June 2018 have been prepared under these new accounting standards. The financials for the corresponding quarter of the previous financial year have also been restated accordingly. As shown in slide 14, the key changes necessitated by the transition to NDS relate essentially to recognition of MTM, mark to market, on the company's investments through the P&L, a charge on account of unvested ESOPs, and the consequential deferred tax adjustments. So these are the three impacts, key impacts of NDS on our accounts. Our profit after tax for the quarter ended June 30th, 2017 under the Indian gap was 1,432 million, which has been restated to 1,646 million as shown in slide 15. The opening net worth of the company under Indian gap stood at 14,227 million on April 1, 2017, which has been restated to 15,174 million as per slide 16. Now coming to the quarterly financials. Coming to the results for the quarter ended 30th June 2018, which are on slide 17. Revenue from operations grew by 21% to reach 
4,712 million from 3,904 million in the corresponding quarter of the previous year. Total expenses were up by 12% to 2,065 million from 1,851 million in the corresponding quarter last year. Our operating profit from the core asset management business grew by 29% to 2,647 million for the quarter ended June 30th, 2018, from 2,053 million for the corresponding quarter of the previous year. Other income for the period was 299 million, a growth of 13% over the corresponding period's figure of 266 million. Profit before tax grew by 27% to 2,946 million from 2,319 million for the corresponding period, and profit after tax for the quarter stood at 2,052 million, which is a 25% growth over 1,646 million for the corresponding period of the previous year. Our operating profit margin, which is the operating profit as a basis points of average AUM, improved to 35 basis points for the quarter. The number for the corresponding quarter of the previous year was 32 basis points. The company has been the most profitable AMC in its peer group. Profit after tax was 5.5 billion and 7.22 billion for FY17 and FY18 respectively. This is shown in slide 19. Slide 20 showcases some additional historical trends. These numbers are calculated after removing the net performance fees received from our real estate portfolio management business in FY14, 15, and 16, since this portfolio ceased from 2016. The three-year CAGR of our revenue from operations and operating profits were 23% and 20% respectively. The three-year CAGR of our PBT and profit after tax is 22% and 23% respectively. The company has historically had a high return on average net worth and consistently improving dividend payout ratio as shown in slide 21. Uh, uh, Raymond, we can open up for questions if any. So Raymond, yeah. I'll be happy to take questions from uh, now. Sure, thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. Anyone who wishes to ask questions may press star and one at this time. We have the first question from the line of Vaibhav Agarwal, who is an individual investor. Please go ahead. Hello. Hello. Yes. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, just I would like to have a, a kind of a scenario like in 2008 or 2013 when the market crashed and what was the impact on the AUM and the profitability of the business like? I just wanted to have a sense like what is the sensitivity of uh, the AUM and profitability with respect to a market downturn kind of environment. 
But the business does have 51% or close to 50, half the business uh, of AUM coming from equity-oriented assets. To, to that extent, there is a correlation between the equity market and the revenues of the company. Uh, to that extent, we are correlate. Our business remains correlated to that of how the markets do, how the markets perform. Specifically okay. about 2008, we will have to come back to you separately with figures and numbers. They are not right now in front of us. Okay. 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 Thank you a lot. Thank you. Anyone who wishes to ask questions, please press star and 1 on your touchstone telephone. Next question is from Kamal Verma from CLSA. Please go ahead. Hi. Hi, this is Prakhar. Uh, hi, Milan. Yeah, hi, Prakhar. Hey. Uh, sir, I just wanted to just get a broader understanding on, uh, you know, this uh, business development and other expenses growth of about 7%. Uh, is this down because of uh, the commission, like upfront commissions being lower, or are there other controls that uh, uh, are there within your leeway uh, that you're able to report just about 7% growth there? Yeah, see, business development also includes sometimes... Uh, uh, borrowings that we do in the business where the cost is taken a part of. If you want. Mm -hmm. Prakar, one of the reasons is that, uh, you know, they, the business development expenses have yes. come off, uh, from the previous period because of the change in the uh, dynamics of the business. But we do know that water has been a little muted compared to the previous period which is why uh, the uh, brokerage numbers are lower. That's true. Okay. And this uh, other income, uh, you know, now that the book has already been marked to market uh, historically, yep. uh, is still showing about a 13% growth. Uh, I wanted to understand, uh, you know, I, one, I understand this is mostly mark-to-market, uh, you know, income because the realized gain to the extent the gain came uh, earlier was taken on 1st April 2017 itself. Uh, I just want to get a sense what is driving this income because markets have generally underperformed uh, this quarter. Yes, uh, Prakar, as you are aware, the interest yields in, the, in this last quarter went up by almost 50 basis points. So obviously, uh, and we have majority of our investments are in the fixed income market. Uh, if you were to adjust for that, the mark-to-market gain for the June quarter was about 7.1 crore, while the mark-to-market gain in June 17 was something of the order of 20 crores. So in spite of that, the other income has grown by about 12%. If you adjust for that, the income without the MTM impact, which we have taken in our investment income, would have the the revenue the revenue and the profit would have been materially different. Got uh, so this is basically the uh, the uh, the accrual income growing faster than the mark to market hit that you might have taken. That's right. The book because yes. from a year back the overall network <coughs> or the total investment book size has increased, and that's why we were able to absorb the mark to market and still show. Okay. 
Sure. And last thing, uh, has the transition to the new, uh, you know, uh, revenue structure, 15 bips reduction been uh, relatively smooth in your view? Uh, or uh, we need to wait for some time to see how does that impact flows, etc.? I think change in the 15 basis points happened effective uh, first of uh, second of first of June. So in one quarter, we were able to reduce the dividend. Uh, sorry, the distribution commission payout uh, almost close to 15 basis points. So we were able to absorb that uh, sort of reduction in the top line by almost a commensurate reduction in the distribution payout. Uh, of course, you have to keep in mind that the business that comes directly, uh, there is no distribution commission that is paid. Uh, so we have been able to sort of neutralize materially the impact of the 15 basis points reduction which happened uh, in one month as far as this quarter is concerned, which was about from 1st of June. Thank you, Milan. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you. The next question is from Manish Sukla from uh, City Group. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you and good evening for the uh, and good evening. Uh, the share of direct business is more or less kind of flattish over the past year or so in terms of overall. Uh, would you intuitively feel that as a contribution of the overall uh, pool, uh, much upside from that is limited, or how should one think about the flows coming in from the direct side of the business? If you look at the overall business, then the overall direct business has actually gone up. I think I mentioned that in the call slightly, from 32 to about roughly 35%. Uh, if you look at the equity business, which comes predominantly from retail investors, that yeah. share has been, it was 17%, it becomes 173 uh, I would tend to believe that the direct business probably will not materially change in the near future. It will be very difficult to see uh, put a trend on a very long-term basis uh, as people see the difference between uh, the return difference between the direct plan and the broker plan. But at least in the immediate future, because the business is significantly and highly intermediated, the business which comes through distributors will continue to be fairly strong. So the 17% that of the share, which is the share of the direct business, I do not expect it to materially change in the short short period. Uh, sure, and again, continuing only with equity, if you were to take, I mean, ignore quarterly volatility, but on a full year basis, the interplay between other three channels, banks, IFN, national distributors, yeah. do you believe ballpark it remains in the current mix or uh, is one channel likely to outgrow other, uh, the way things are shaping up? Uh, no, like if you see what we have mentioned in the call on on a year-to-year -year basis, the contribution from these three channels has broadly remained the same which is roughly about around 39% yes. uh, of IFA, close to 25% national, uh, and banks being somewhere in the region of 18-19%. So you don't expect those trends to change? Uh, I don't think they will change materially. They seem to have settled. We, see, we, see, we have observed them over a period of time now. They seem to be have settled somewhere in that region, maybe 1-2% move up and down. Right. Uh, going back to the business development expenses growth of 7%, uh, now everything is in there. Should one see it as a proxy of uh, flows? I mean, not the magnitude, uh, I mean, the not the absolute growth, but the uh, way things are going. Uh, will this be meaningfully different if flows were to go up or down? 
Yeah, see, one of the very intrinsic nature of the flows and the costs that come with the flows is that there is still a reasonable amount of business on which there is a front-end fee that is paid, or upfront commission is paid. Now, that upfront commission is typically amortized over the first 12 months because we have an option to claw it back if the money goes out in the first 12 months. So as the flows were, if the, as you've seen, the flows in the industry have been softer than in this current year as compared to the past year, which almost saw a run rate of 20,000 crores per month. The current year, in the first quarter, the, 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 the industry collected about 39,000 crores in equity AUM as compared to about 50,000 crores in the previous year. So the collection rate in the current year is relatively lower and therefore to that extent, the cost which gets upfronted or front-ended impacts slightly less. In a way, you are right that if there is a material change, but these are not costs which, which happen on a month-to-month -month basis because they get averaged over a 12-month period of write-off. Okay, so let's say of the 15 uh, 1.5 billion number for the June uh, quarter, what proportion would be the amortized cost and what would be the non-amortized portion? Or all of it is in some sense amortized over uh, amortized cost? Uh, roughly around 70%, 70 75% of this expense would be amortized cost. Uh, okay, that's helpful. Uh, lastly, if you could share, could and you just share to, uh, you know, clarify here, uh, this shift to NDS has not affected the uh, way brokerage, upfront brokerage has been, or advanced trail has been accounted. It is still accounted in the same manner as it was earlier, which is amortized over a period of uh, 12 months. Okay, so that doesn't change. Okay. That doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, if you could share the employee count for as of June 18 and June 17. Yeah. So on 30th of June 2017, we had 980 employees. And on 30th of June 2018, we had 1,100 employees. 980 and 1100. All right. Okay. Thank you. Those were my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is from K.U. Rashad from Reliance Nippon Life Insurance. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, sir, I had a related question uh, on the distribution network that we have on slide 10. So, sir, yeah. we see that uh, out of the total AUM, almost 36% uh, is direct. So, sir, could you uh, please share uh, what are the comparable industry numbers? Uh, is that it? It is not, not public. So the industry numbers for this way it is not public. But industry number for the direct totally for equity is approximately same, same similar kind of a number. So, there is no industry number which is in the public domain that we can be we can cite for this. I would be surprised if it is materially different. It could be maybe slightly lower, but very difficult to cite a number for the industry. The industry as a whole is around similar number only, and there is a... <coughs> and so, uh, uh, yeah. uh, and what are the business implications of uh, this? So basically, uh, let's say the remaining 64% uh, is mm -hmm. uh, coming out of uh, distribution. So uh, basically, uh, these costs are passed through in nature, or does AMC also incur a cost? Because investors are also paying uh, additional uh, 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 payment in the form of regular plans. 
Yeah, so when, see, when we compute our margins or when we say we are operating profit margin is 30, say, five basis points, it is net of the cost that is borne by the AMC. So some part of the cost which are allowed to be borne or up to the extent they can be borne by the schemes are charged to the schemes, and there is some part of this commission expense which are always borne by all, in all AMCs, case of all AMCs, are borne by the AMC P&L. But the net operating profit margin that we, when we publish that as 35 basis point, it is net of the cost that we have borne in the AMC. But it is some part of the commission cost, it does spill over to the AMC as well. That's a very common phenomenon. Uh, is it possible to uh, uh, give us a ballpark number as to what is the uh, uh, commission rate? Which the AMC bears on an average? No, commission varies from almost every distributor to distributor. So there is no one number that will can represent the commission that is paid uniformly because it changes to some extent from channel to channel and even within the channel a particular bank and a different bank could be paid differently and same happens with different IFAs and different national distributors. Uh, no, sir, I, was, uh, I wanted to understand about uh, uh, basically uh, the on an overall basis what portion is collected from the end investor and what portion is the company contributing on an overall AUM basis? No, the net result of that is creates an operating profit margin of 35 basis points. So that is after paying the commission first that is charged to the scheme and then which is borne by the AMC. And net of that the operating profit margin is at 35 basis points. Okay, okay. Thank you. That was helpful. Yeah, it will vary from even product to product. So there is no one number that we can talk about. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Samir Vise from GM Financial. Please go ahead. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, hi. Uh, hi, hi Milan. Uh, just quick question. Uh, on the 15 basis points cut, you said that the transition for HDFC MC has been fairly smooth. Uh, what would your sense be on how the industry has behaved on that front uh, in terms of absorbing or passing it on to the distributor? I think difficult to, because the practices of every other fund houses are not very transparent. Uh, it is very difficult to be judgmental and know very clearly what each fund, uh, fund house has done. My understanding is that many, there will be at least many who would have passed off, uh, reduced the commission payout by close to 15 basis points. There could be some who would have probably not reduced the entire 15, probably reduced 10. It also has to do with whether your commission structure has competitive after the reduction or before the reduction also. If we are, if our commission structure is competitive, even after the reduction, then it is fine, it is good enough. If somebody was anyway paying less, then they would probably have less scope to reduce it further. So I but guess it is very difficult to get to get a sense uh, whether everybody has been has reduced 15 basis points. My sense is most would have reduced at least 12 to 15 basis points or 10 basis points in the minimum. Uh, but would you say that uh, the push the distributor community has been pretty okay to accept it, or there has been a slightly tough push, I mean, hard pushback from them? Uh, I think broadly, if you ask me, the distribution community is aware that the uh, commission payouts 
have been significantly high over the last many years and have been growing. Uh, so, for example, and therefore, uh, there's a, uh, nobody likes the commission to be reduced. So to that extent, it's not necessarily welcomed by the distribution. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think we have been able to uh, explain and explain the position that where that we want to, we intend to have competitive commission structure, which we will always maintain, and which we have to keep rationalizing if the TRs are changing. Okay, that, that's helpful. Uh, secondly, on the slide where we have explained the revenue from operations, Kegar, uh, excluding the performance fee, uh, is there an element of uh, management fee for the real estate fund? Uh, there would be an element of management fee in the real estate fund, but the management fee part was not very material. Okay. Uh, can you quantify or... Uh, we can share it separately with yeah. you. Yeah. We'll sure. That was front right now. Sure. Thanks a lot and all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is from Sunil Dilumala from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, yes, I agree. This is Sunil Tirumalai from Credit Suisse. Hi, Sunil. Uh, have a, yes, sir. Uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, wanted to understand how are you, you know, thinking about your uh, PMS and alternates uh, strategy? Where do you see, uh, you know, do you, do you see them growing big, uh, you know, longer term? And what has been the recent experience in these? The PMS, we are, as we have always maintained, that the core of our business has been really to uh, keep that keep at the center stage the mass affluent business, which is the opportunity on a pal India basis. Our PMS business, relative to our other mutual fund business, is relatively small. We manage about uh, roughly 6,900 crores in PMS, which compares with about more than 3 lakh crores in the mutual fund business. So it is roughly about. 2% of the total mutual fund business. In that context, it is 6,000 crores plus, which is, which is reasonable in size, but is when you compare it to the mutual fund business, it may appear relatively small. Uh, we do intend to grow the PMS business. It is, I think it, the business uh, remains very competitive, and we, we would like it to first maintain and stabilize, some, get some degree of growth rate before we can see a meaningful growth in the PMS business. Uh, the same is true of alternate funds. We, do, we have not launched alternate funds. We, are, we will look to launch alternate funds. But unless we find ourselves into a particularly specific sort of type of fund that we can differentiate with, we, will not, we are not likely to launch alternate funds for the sake of having an alternate fund product line. We have not been convinced that the revenues and the commercials on alternate funds are necessarily better or even competitive to what we'd get in the mutual fund business on an overall basis. Got it. That's very clear. Thank you, sir. And second question is, uh, do you, uh, you know, do you foresee any SEBI action on, uh, uh, you know, changing TERs, bringing down TERs on a broader sense, not just, you know, we've seen the B15 to B30 kind of changes, but on a broader uh, industry level, uh, you know, is there any discussion? I mean, because it's been a while that uh, you know we've had, we've seen some changes, and you know, globally these rates only keep going down. No, as I think we have even mentioned in our DRHP, uh, the one of the risks that we are we will always remain exposed to 
is uh, any change from the regulator on reducing the TR, which will then require us to recalibrate our distribution rates again and see how much we can pass down by way of reduction of distribution commission to distributors and how much we may have to bear if they are, if they are reduced again. I am not certain about anything. I, I cannot prejudge the, any decision that the regulator will take, although I understand that there is always be some discussion on rationalizing the TR. I am not sure whether there is anything specific that has been announced at this stage. Okay. And my final question is, uh, so what proportion of your, uh, you know, portfolio, or your, your AUM and uh, revenues, uh, I mean, I don't know whether revenues is revenue the right metric or PBT is the right metric, uh, would have come from the B15 to B29 uh, locations. I mean, the, the, one, the one which has been impacted by the cut. Well, actually, you'll be surprised that uh, B15 share used to be somewhere in the region of about 18-19%, but the B30 share is, as, again, still as, at high as, high as 13%. So it is not that the entire B15 was coming from only the top 15 cities or the second, second 15 cities itself. Okay, just about 4-5% is the... 5% you can say was, is, the, is, the, is, the, okay. is the difference between B15 and B30. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Before we take the next question, we'd like to remind participants that you may press star and 1 to join the question queue. The next question is from Subhran Mishra from Motilalo Swal Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, good evening, sir, uh, and thank you for the opportunity. The first question is, uh, I just wanted to understand what has been your gross inflows and net inflows in this particular quarter, and uh, this versus the first quarter of FY18. And uh, my sincere uh, request would be to please include this in your investor presentation going forward, sir. No, this is our not numbers that we are disclosing in our... Uh, either in our, in our presentation or in our calls. So you'll have to bear with us on this. Okay. Sure. And uh, so if that's the case, I uh, just want to un understand uh, how do you uh, strategize uh, getting a, a incremental market share in B30 cities? Uh, would it be dominate, uh, dominatingly be done by HDFC bank or would it be uh, through national distributors or IFAs? How, how do you think that will happen? No, I don't think there is a strategy of using one particular channel over the other in any particular, any particular geography. Uh, as, of, as of the total 210 branches, 134. we have 134 branches out of the 209 or 210 branches which are in the B30 cities. So right. clearly we have a very strong presence between them. If you look at the number of branches out of the total branches, we have more than 130 branches in the B30 cities. And effectively when you have a branch, you are able to build the business around the branch because only through the branch you can service the distributors and service, of course, the walk-ins who come into these branches. So we will open new branches in, in B30 if we feel the potential is there in a particular town or city. Uh, we have certain internal norms which we benchmark the AUM and the potential AUM growth in every town, and based on that, we add new branches in those towns. Right. 
Sure. So, it, uh, so the mix uh, of generating, uh, so the uh, distribution mix would largely remain the same, is it, to source? No, see, broadly what happens is that in certain towns, for example, in certain places, the IFA community is very strong, where the bank presence of banks is relatively less. And in some cases, banks are very strong. So, we have to basically understand which distribution channel is strong in a particular geography, and we have to basically work with them. Fortunately, we have a very strong presence and relationship with all the three channels, so which helps us to be able to leverage those relationships based on what the opportunity in a particular geography is. Right. Sure, sir. Thank you for, for your time. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Jay Vivek from GS Invest. Mint, please go ahead. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity. I would like to know about the uh, opportunity size for MS industry in India, either with uh, real estate investment which used to happen earlier, and what is the growth rate we expect, and what about the increasing in, uh, increasing competition intensity in this particular segment, sir? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand the question fully. Did you say the potential of the mutual fund industry versus real estate? Yes, because earlier the most of the investment used to happen in the real estate in India. Right. Uh, comparison to that, how are we appearing? So if you look at some of the data that is available to us, of the total household savings, still about four or five years back, about 60% used to get invested in physical assets, which was either real estate or gold. That share and the share that went into financial asset was 40%. But over the last four to five years, it is now that 60% which went into physical asset has come down to closer to 50%. So clearly there is a 10% swing which is away from physical assets into financial assets. And that is what is now being called as the financialization of savings. So clearly that is increasing the total amount of pool of money that is available within financial assets of which mutual funds is a part. So if you look at this trend of lesser allocation to physical assets and more in financial assets. At the same time, when you see the new flows that are coming into mutual fund industry, one is able to draw a good correlation the fact to the fact that mutual fund industry is a beneficiary of this trend that relative to the past, more money is now coming into financial assets. Okay. And so what about the increasing competition intensity and in the past we had bet very heavily on the public sector banks and the PSUs and uh, any change in strategy in that respect, I think the competitive intensity has always been high, and I would expect that to remain so. Uh, I think there is no change. Uh, and, and now there is no real distinction between public sector, if you are referring to public sector mutual fund or private sector mutual fund. No, no. Public sector banks, we had back very heavily mutual fund. Yes, you so oh, that is a comment on our investment portfolio. I think that would be it not be appropriate to be discussed in this call, please. Okay, okay. And uh, so, what is uh, basically the increasing competition intensity? You mean the uh, We are there, number one. But uh, I believe uh, other companies are also coming into the fray. No, there is always be competitive uh, in the mutual fund industry has always been very competitive and I think we welcome competition and that competitiveness will remain in the industry uh, and over the period of time that we have been in the industry now for over 18 years, we have always faced competition 
and I don't think there is anything that is going to be very different from uh, on the on, in terms of the competitive landscape from now as compared to what is likely to be in the future. What about the NPS? I think we are the leaders in the NPS segment also, and how is the our performance wise with others? Uh, you're talking to a national pension scheme? You said NPS, right? Yeah, yeah, national pension scheme, exactly. Uh, no, that is not done by our asset management company. The, the NPS business is done under the insurance subsidiary that HDFC has. So absolutely, uh, and a different segment in different yeah, that segment is different. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Subramaniam Ayer from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, sir. Uh, just had a question Hello. on your dividend payout. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the medium-term guidance on that? Uh, I wouldn't like to prejudge what the board will decide, but as we have shown uh, in our presentation that in the last few years, the dividend payout has ratio has been steadily increasing. It was 41% in FY14. It went up to 47%, then 51% for FY16 and 17, and then it went increased to 56% in FY18. So there is an increasing trend, but it will be difficult for me to prejudge what the board will finally decide. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Rohan Adwan from Multiank. Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks for the opportunity. Sir, if you look at your slide 9, which talks about SIPs, uh, what I understood is that the monthly inflow in SIPs for June 2018 was 1164 crores. So I was just wondering if you could share uh, what would be the cumulative contribution of SIPs to our overall outstanding AUM, if you could share anything on that. Uh, the share of SIP in outstanding AUM to my, our mind is not a very necessarily a relevant number because significant amount even comes from outside the SIP also. Uh, SIP AUM would be roughly about 24% or so of our total AUM. Though I, that's the data if, if I can share with you. Okay, thank you. And sir, my second question was, uh, so we've, uh, in the presentation, we've stated uh, the contribution of individual AUM to our total AUM. Yeah. But within individual, uh, could you break it up between retail and HNI? Because my understanding was that retail tends to be stickier than HNI, and you could correct me if I am wrong. No, I think there is no real uh, understanding or that retail, which is treated, which for, for my, I mean, I'm not very sure of this, but if you are referring to retail as less than 5 lakhs and more than 5 lakhs as HNI, uh, I'm not sure whether that is a, uh, it gives any indication of the persistency of the money that remains. And it all depends upon the, whether, there is some clearly a distinction whether your client is a retail or an individual client as compared to a corporate or an institutional client. That is a more important distinction. Within a retail household investor, whether he is up to 5 lakhs or above 5 lakhs, does not have a, any significant bearing on the behavior as far as persistency is concerned. Okay. And so, so we don't track that data separately as for below 5 lakhs and above 5 lakhs. Understood. Thanks. Uh, those were my questions. Thanks for taking them. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll take that as the last question. I would now like to hand the conference back to the management for closing comments. Well, I would just like to close this call with a thank you for all of the uh, people who have been on this call this evening. Thank you very much for your interest. Thank you. Thank you very much. On behalf of Access Capital Limited, that concludes this conference.